grateful. And uh, it's good to be here on Sunday. If you've got a Bible with you or you have access to where you can view the screen behind me, we're going to turn our attention this morning to the book of 2 Kings. Second Kings chapter 16. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. There's a lot packed into these chapters in Second Kings. There's a lot of history that's covered. And after moving quickly through several kings in Second Kings chapter 15, the 16th chapter lingers over one king of Judah named Ahaz. And if you need to be seated at any point, uh, feel free to do so. The reading's going to be a little bit lengthier than normal, but uh, you won't be offending anybody if you seat yourself here in a moment. Verse 1 says, In the 17th year of Pekah, the son of Remaliah, Ahaz, the son of Jotham, king of Judah, began to reign. And Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God after his father David had done. But he walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his son pass through the fire. That's a kind way of saying he performed child sacrifice. According to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel, and he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. Then Rezin, king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, came up to Jerusalem to make war. And they besieged Ahaz, but could not overcome him. At that time, Rezin, king of Syria, captured Elath for Syria and drove the men of Judah from Elath. And the Edomites went to Elath, and, to, and they dwell there to this day. So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pelezar, king of Assyria, saying, I am your servant, and I am your son. Come up. And save me from the hand of the king of Syria and from the hand of the king of Israel who rise up against me. And Ahaz took the silver and gold that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasuries of the king's house and sent it as a present to the king of Assyria. So the king of Assyria heeded him and the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it and carried its people captive to Ker. But he killed reason the king of that city. Now King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet Tiglath-Pelezar, king of Assyria, and saw an altar that was at Damascus. And King Ahaz sent to Urijah the priest the design of the altar and its pattern according to all of its workmanship. And then Urijah the priest built an altar according to all that Ahaz had sent from Damascus. So Urijah the priest made it before King Ahaz came back from Damascus. And when the king came back from Damascus, he saw the altar, and the king approached the altar and made offerings on it. And he burned his burnt offering and his grain offering, and he poured his drink offering, and he sprinkled the blood of his peace offerings on this new altar. He also brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord from the front of the temple, from between the new altar and the house of the Lord, and he put it on the north side of the new altar. Then King Ahaz commanded Urijah the priest, saying, On the great new altar, burn the morning burnt offering and the evening grain offering and the king's burnt sacrifice and his grain offering with the burnt offering of all the people of the land, their grain offering and their drink offerings, and sprinkle on it all the blood of the burnt offerings of the people of their sacrifice. 
and the bronze altar shall be for me to inquire by. Thus did Uriah the priest according to all that King Ahaz commanded. Verse 17 goes on and says, King Ahaz then cut off the panels of the carts, and he removed the lavers from them, and he took down the sea from the bronze oxen that were under it and put it on pavements of stones, and he removed the Sabbath pavilion, which they had built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Syria. Now the rest of the acts of it which Ahaz did, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Judah? So Ahaz rested with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. Then Hezekiah his son reigned in his place. Let's set our Bibles down this morning. I want to preach from this topic on this Sunday morning. When crisis comes. When crisis comes. Lift up our hands across this place and seek the face of the Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we're coming to you right now. There's faith that's in the building. We've praised and we've worshiped. We've tuned our senses and our sensitivities toward you. Lord, we've left behind all the distractions and all the things that happened the week before, God. And while there's a temptation to sit and to think about everything that's before us in the week ahead of us, God, Lord, I pray that there would be a focus and an attention that would, Lord, that would grasp us this morning. Lord, that you would help us to have an ear for what the Spirit would say to the church, that you would help us, God, to have faith to respond to your word today. Lord, I pray all these things in the beautiful name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. When crisis comes. When crisis comes. It's, it's when crisis comes. Not if crisis comes. When crisis comes. I want to start off this morning by making a very clear statement. God wants to be with you through your crisis. God does not want to abandon you. God does not want to be left out of the picture. God does not want to leave you to fend for yourself. But God desires to be with you in and through and on the other side of your crisis. It doesn't matter what your crisis looks like today. It doesn't matter if it's a financial crisis, if it's a family crisis, if it's a health crisis. It doesn't matter if it's a sin crisis. God wants to be with you in your crisis, and he wants to see you through your crisis. And it's not today a matter of if crisis is going to come knocking on your door. It is a matter of when crisis comes. And when crisis comes, God wants to be with you through it. Ahaz was facing a crisis. There was a coalition of armies from nation states to his north that were arraying themselves to see and to make war against Jerusalem. It was one of those crises that didn't sneak up on them. You know the kind that I'm talking about. The kind of thing that simmers on the stove for a while. But now Ahaz has a full-blown crisis that is coming to boil in Judah. And in his natural reckoning of the situation, just him looking at the situation with his natural vision, he did perhaps what many of us would and maybe some of you are currently doing. He saw two options when crisis came. Option number one was surrender. Just give up. 
Option number two was hide. Hide somewhere. Find somewhere to seek cover. And in the case of Ahaz, he chose to find covering underneath of the protection of Assyria, the superpower at the time. And as he assessed the situation, King Ahaz received a visit from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah counseled the king to trust in the Lord and even to ask God to give him some kind of sign that he would deliver Jerusalem out of the hands of these invaders and these attackers. Isaiah chapter 7, if you'd like to turn there with me, gives us a parallel account of what we read in 2 Kings chapter 16. Sometimes we have to look at things, Brother Joe, from the other perspective, don't we? Sometimes we've got to look at things from God's perspective. And in Isaiah chapter 7, there's a perspective of this chain of events that's given to us, but it's not given to us from the perspective of Ahaz. It's given to us from the perspective of the prophet Isaiah. Here's what Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 1 says. It came to pass in the days of Ahaz, the son of Jotham, the, king of Uzziah, the son of Uzziah, the king of Judah, that Rezin, the king of Syria, and Pekah, the son of Remaliah, king of Israel, went up to Jerusalem to make war against it, but they could not prevail against it. And it was told to the house of David, saying that Syria's forces are deployed in Ephraim. So his heart and the heart of Ahaz's people were moved as the trees in the woods are moved with the wind. They began to shake. They began to tremble at the news of the crisis that was on their doorstep. And the Lord said to the prophet Isaiah, go out now and meet Ahaz and go to the end of the aqueduct by the upper pool to, to this particular place and, and say to him, take heed and be quiet. Don't fear or be faint-hearted for these two stubs of smoking firebrands, for the fierce anger of Rezin and Syria, the son of Remaliah. Because of Syria, Ephraim and the son of Remaliah have plotted evil against you, saying, let us go up against Judah and trouble it, and let us make a gap in its wall for ourselves and set a king over them, the son of Tabel. And thus says the Lord God. And God began to prophesy through Isaiah, and he said these words in verse 7, It shall not stand, nor shall it come to pass, for the head of Syria is Damascus, and the head of Damascus is risen. Within 65 years, Ephraim will be broken, and so it will not be a people. The head of Ephraim is Samaria, and the head of Samaria is Remaliah's son. If you will not believe, surely you will not be established. And the question becomes at this point in the story is who will Ahaz turn to? And we've already read the passage together and we know that Ahaz chooses not to surrender, but he also chooses not to take the stand of faith like Isaiah is asking him to do, to trust in the Lord. But Ahaz turns to the superpower Assyria and he submits himself to Assyria. And you'll see that Ahaz basically has two things that he can choose between. He, has, he can either enact a policy of fear or he can enact a policy of faith. He can either let fear operate and dictate the course of his life and the course of his household or he can allow 
faith to step in, and he can trust in the Lord and decide, I'm going to stand in the promises of God. I'm going to be established. I'm going to allow God to work on my behalf. He's already, he established my kingdom. He brought me to where I am. And Ahaz has these two choices. He can choose between taking the perspective of fear, or he can turn the other way and take the perspective of faith. And he begins to look at his options that are afforded to him that day. And instead of deciding to weather the storm and trust God, Ahaz turns to Assyria for salvation. And when he does this, he goes from the frying pan into the fire. He only makes a crisis worse than it already was before. He understands that, 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 that there's something has to be done. But in his flesh, he decides to side with fear instead of operating in faith. I'm talking this morning about when crisis comes. It's not a matter today of if you're going to face hardship, of if there's going to be a trial or a crisis in your life. But it's a matter of when it comes, how are you going to respond to it, Ahaz? What are you going to do when crisis comes? We understand Ahaz's train of thinking because we've reached this place many times ourselves. We've all had crisis moments in our life. And if you haven't had what you would label a crisis moment yet, just hold on for a little while and it's gonna, one's going to come down the pipe at you. I'm not speaking gloom and doom over you. I'm just speaking life and reality to you. There's going to be trials. There's going to be hardships. There's going to be crisis. And when that moment comes, the people of God have a decision to make. Am I going to allow fear to guide me or am I going to be a person of faith? We can understand where Ahaz is because we've been there ourselves. He thinks, he thinks he's choosing freedom. He thinks by allying himself with Assyria that he's finding a way out of his situation, that he's doing something that's going to ultimately help him. But that freedom that he is trying to lay hold on is actually motivated by a root of fear, and it's not freedom at all. That, that, that freedom, that thing that feels like freedom when it's motivated by fear is actually bondage, is actually submission to the things of this world, is actually enslavement to sin and to the world and to the enemy. And Ahaz, on the surface level, doesn't realize that the freedom that he's trying to purchase for himself is actually coming from a place that's not motivated by faith, but it's motivated by fear. Sometimes it's only natural to assume when crisis comes that there's only two options, that either I can, I can throw my hands up and surrender or I can seek I can seek a covering or something, some solution in this world. I can go find something that's going to put a Band-Aid on it, and maybe I can move on. But I'm here to tell you today, God has a third option of faith that he wants somebody to lay a hold of today. You've been looking for your marriage, for your finances, for your household, for your sin problem, for whatever it is. You've been looking to all the different, you've been weighing the options, and the only options that you've been able to determine are available to you are surrender or just give in or, 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 or look to some solution that you can find in the world. But God has a third option of faith today. God's prophet Isaiah spoke it in Isaiah chapter 7. And I'm here to deliver the very same message today. There is a solution called faith that you can step into as a person of God. And God can begin to work on your behalf in a way that you didn't even imagine. You may not be able to get together in your head how it's all going to work out. But God has a plan for 
for it. God sees the enemy on the horizon. He sees all the schemes of the enemy, all the plots and all the schemes and wiles of the devil. And he sees what's going on in your life. And he has an answer for you. And that answer is called faith. Stand on faith. Trust in the Lord. When crisis comes, don't turn to the world. Don't surrender to the world. But stand in faith. And God will bring you through. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he's been bringing his people through battles and red seas and enslavements and circumstances for thousands of years, he's not going to disappoint you. When crisis comes, we've got to turn to God. We've got to lay hold of our faith. We can't surrender to the world. We can't give in to the solutions that the world is offering to us. You can always choose faith. Most of the time, let's just level this morning. Most of the time, it's going to look like foolishness to the world. Most of the time, the world's going to say, you know what? Your household's a wreck. You ought to just give up. Your relationship is trash. Just give up. Your finances are destroyed. Just give up. The world will, it'll look like, faith will look like foolishness to the world. Because the world can't see faith as an option. But faith is always an option for a child of God. You can always choose faith. And that's what the ministry of the prophet and the preacher is. Isaiah played the role back then. And I'm trying my best to flow with the Holy Ghost and play the role this morning. Faith is always an option. You need to stop turning to the solutions of the world. And you need to hear, heed the words of the prophet Isaiah that he gave to Ahaz. But Ahaz wouldn't tune into. There is a way that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is the way of death. But there is a way that you can walk that is right to God. And therein is righteousness and life and abundance and everything that you need if you will choose faith. If you will stand firm in faith, Isaiah said, you shall be established. Faith dares to believe that there is a resolution in this crisis that goes in my favor, even though the circumstances don't add up. Somebody needs to stand up and say, faith is my policy. I'm not going to allow fear to be the policy of my life. Fear is not going to be the policy of my household, of my generation. But my policy is going to be one of faith. I'm going to stand on faith when crisis comes. Faith is leaving room in the situation for God to act. And if you will stand in faith, if you will choose faith, then it will leave room for God to act and he will act on your behalf. Faith is the refusal to panic. I'm not going to panic because things aren't the way they should be. I'm going to choose faith. But Ahaz chose a policy of fear. I wish that I could tell you that this 16th chapter of 2 Kings had a happy ending and that it was a happy story full of rainbows and sunshine and kittens, all those kind of things. But this is not a pleasant chapter. Because this is an example in the Old Testament of somebody who chose a policy of fear. The first thing that happened was that Ahaz submitted himself to a solution of the world. Verse 7, chapter 16, verse 7. Ahaz sent messengers to the king of Assyria and he said, I am your servant and I am your son. 
He did that from a place of anxiety, a place of desperation and fear. When you submit your, what you submit yourself to is an indication of what you have faith in. When a relationship with the world pulls you away from God's ways, you've subscribed yourself to a policy of fear instead of faith. In the flesh, Ahaz thought this was a survival issue. But in the spirit, it was actually a salvation issue. He placed himself and and his trust in, in the care of a foreign nation rather than in God for the salvation of his household. And I want to say again, God wants to be with you in your crisis, but you're going to have to allow him room to be with you in your crisis. And when you allow fear to dictate instead of faith, there are always things that develop as a result. And here's what happened. As a result of Ahaz submitting himself to a solution other than faith, he chose fear instead of faith. Here's what happened. We see it, it happens in the course of just a few verses in this chapter, and I want to walk through it together. The first thing is in verse 10. Now, King Ahaz went to Damascus to meet the king of Assyria. The king of Assyria had come in, and they had conquered Damascus. He had taken care of the problem that Ahaz saw. And now, Ahaz went to Damascus to meet this king of Assyria. The first thing that happens whenever we choose fear over faith is that we end up in places we shouldn't be. And let that sink in for a second because there's, there's a chain of events that starts to happen when we choose fear instead of faith. And the first thing that happens is we end up in places that we should not be. After the Assyrian leader defeats Damascus, He deports all the inhabitants, takes them into captivity, and Ahaz comes up there to meet his savior. Because you understand, that's that's what the king of Assyria had turned into for Ahaz. Ahaz had turned away from God, had chosen not to embrace faith, and instead allowed fear to drive him into the arms of the king of Assyria, and the king of Assyria became his savior. And he was, you've seen it in verse 7, he was submitted I am your servant and I am your son. He was fully submitted. The king of Assyria owned Ahaz. And Ahaz went up to Damascus to meet him and ended up in a place that he was never supposed to be. Let me talk to somebody right now who's in a place that they shouldn't be. And maybe you got there voluntarily through chain of events. Who knows what happened? But you're in a place where you shouldn't be. And don't think for a minute that you're going to go into a place that you should not be in the world and and that somehow you're going to be the one to change them. I realize that we're in the world and that we have opportunities to be a light and to be an influence, but you need to recognize that there is a difference between being in the world because of faith And being in a place that you're not supposed to be because you've allowed fear to drive you to that place. There is a difference between being in the world and being in the world in faith so that you can be the light to the world. And Ahaz found himself in a place that he was never supposed to be. Ahaz got to Damascus and found out that he was owned by the king of Assyria. He found out that. Because the king of Assyria was never going to come to where Ahaz was. When you operate in fear, 
you're always going to have to go to where he's at. He's always going to remind you who's in charge. And the first thing that happens when we allow fear to begin to dictate our life is we end up in a place that we're not supposed to be. The second thing that happens is in verse 14, or verse 10, goes on. They went to Damascus to meet the king of Syria, Assyria, and he saw that an altar was at Damascus. And Ahaz sent the designs of this altar. He saw and he liked it. He liked what he saw. This was an altar where they offered up offerings to false gods. And he liked the design of it. He liked the way it looked. He liked everything about it. So he, he, he had some of his guys draw it and, and sketch it out and send it back to Jerusalem. And he told his guys back in Jerusalem, he said, I want you all to build me one of these before I get back home. And that's what they did. And what you have here is the first thing that happens when we allow fear to take control is we end up in a place that we're not supposed to be. Then what happens is we get exposed to things that we were never supposed to be exposed to. We end up coming into contact with things that you're not supposed to come into contact with. Ahaz took notice of this altar to a false god that was in Damascus, this place that he was never supposed to be in to begin with. And he embraced the worship of these false gods at these pagan altars. And he sent the designs back to Jerusalem so that when he got home, he would be able to do his own worship of these false gods. Because he was in a place that he never should have been, he got exposed to something and came into contact with something that he never should have come into contact with. And you have a choice today. You can choose faith. You don't have to come into contact with things that are going to derail your relationship with God. You don't have to end up in places that you're never supposed to be in in the first place. You can choose faith today. We have a choice when crisis comes. We have a choice. And when we choose fear, it always compromises our position. It always brings us to a place where we are compromised spiritually because we end up in places and in positions we're not supposed to be. And we come into contact with things that God never intended for us to come into contact with. We can choose fear or we can choose faith today. The choice when crisis comes. The next thing that happens is in verse 14. When Ahaz got back to Jerusalem, he saw this altar that they had built, this new altar to these false gods. He saw this altar, and he immediately went to it and started to offer sacrifices on it. And verse 14 tells us that he brought the bronze altar, this giant altar that sat in the outer court of the temple. This is the place where they would sacrifice This is the place where they would worship before they went into the inner part of the temple. Before they began to, this was the first step of their approach to God. This was their repentance. This was their atonement. This is the place where they got right with God, where they got in alignment with God. And the 14th verse of the chapter says that he brought the bronze altar, which was before the Lord from the front of the temple. From It sat front and center. It was the first thing you saw when you came in. You had to go through it before you got into the presence of God. And he took that old bronze altar and he put it on the north side of the new altar. Here's what that means. He took it and he moved it off to the side. 
He took the altar of God, the altar of repentance, the place where atonement happened, the place where the sacrifices and the praise and the worship took place, and he took it and he moved it off to the side and he put that new altar to these false gods and he dropped it right there in its place. Here's what happens when we choose fear instead of faith. We end up in places we shouldn't be. We come into contact with things that we never should be in contact with. And you start to relocate repentance and consecration. And you start repentance and and the process and the moment of coming to an altar and getting right with God. That gets removed from the equation. And all of a sudden, we're attending church. But repentance and having a move of God in our life is no longer on the table. We We aren't coming to temple anymore so that we can come into contact with God. We're coming to temple to sacrifice at some other altar, to do some other thing, to go through some other ritual. But repentance has been moved off to the side. And no longer are we in a position where we can get in alignment with God. Because we've allowed fear to get its grip on our life. Now, I don't know what it's fear of. Maybe for some of you, you're fearful to have an encounter with God, a real encounter with God on a Sunday morning. Maybe it's because you're fearful of what someone might think of you. Maybe it's because you're fearful of what might have to take place if you have a real encounter with God, if the real you meets the real Jesus, what's going to happen? I don't know. Maybe it's just that fear of that uncertainty. I don't know what the fear is, but the fear needs to leave the building today, and you need to begin to choose faith. You need to walk in faith. You need to say, I've come to church on Sunday morning, and I haven't come to get gripped by fear and to allow fear to determine the course of how my day, my week, my month, my life is going to go. I'm going to choose faith today. I'm going to let repentance re-enter itself into the equation of my life. I'm going to bring that altar of God that has been set off to the side. I'm going to bring it back front and center. I'm going to find a place where I can get aligned with God, where I can repent, where I can get right with Him, where I can get consecrated again. When crisis comes, I tell you this, when crisis comes, There's only one altar that you want sitting front and center. And it ain't no, I call it with my kids, I say fake gods. Because they know what fake is. They don't know what false, Lydia's starting to pick up what false God is. But they know what fake is. You don't want any fake God altar. You don't want to go through the motions when crisis comes. You don't want to be offering burnt sacrifices and your, your drink offerings and your grain offerings and, and just the everyday routine of life. You don't want to have to go to some altar that don't got no power. And here's what the scripture says. If you read closely, you'll see. He didn't do away with God's altar entirely, but he sat it off to the side. And here's what Ahaz said. I'm going to keep it so that I can inquire of it. That lets me know that he still recognized where the real power was. And what he planned to do. Now, this is a bad plan. This is dumb. But what he planned to do is when crisis came, he was going to mosey on over here to this side and inquire of God and see if there could be some deliverance when crisis came. But God is not, God will not operate as a sideshow. God will not operate as a hobby. God will either be front and center or he will not be God at all. 
And Ahaz moved the altar of repentance and the altar of sacrifice and the place where people came to get right with God. He removed that from the equation. And that's what began to transpire when crisis came. And if you're in that place today, I know there's some that can recognize that that's where I'm at. I've been coming to church, but for too long, I haven't been able to repent. I haven't been able to get right with God, to get the way I need to be with God. And maybe you recognize this morning that that's exactly where you're at. Let me speak to you. Maybe you've been satisfied for a while, shuffling around an altar of appeasement, of compromise, of a, a, a fear of, of whatever it is, just so that you can keep the enemy off your back, just so that the king of Assyria doesn't come and take your house because you know what he can do to Damascus, just so that you keep the enemy off your back, just, as a, just, just so that you can have something that, that resembles freedom. But I'm here to tell you today, the freedom that comes from placing that altar of a false god in the middle of your life is not freedom at all. It is bondage. And you need to take, and I realize it might be a hard stance. I know I might not be asking an easy thing this morning. And I know I might be oversimplifying it for some. But we've got to take a stand in faith. You can choose faith today. And you can experience real freedom. Where you don't have to do things just to keep the enemy off of your back. But you can experience the freedom that comes from a relationship with God. You don't have to go to the places you're not supposed to go. You don't have to come into contact with things that you've got no business having any experience experience with but you can live a life of abundance and blessing with God and have a relationship with him but it has to take place at an altar of repentance God will not be relegated to a corner he will not be satisfied being a God of the weekends but he must be a God that exists in the center of your life a God that you go to to get aligned with to repent and to get right when crisis comes. If that's where you're at, you need to recognize today that it's not over yet, but you're on very thin ice. Because the last thing that King Ahaz is recorded to have done is in verse, verse 17. Here's what it says. King Ahaz cut off the panels of the carts and he removed the lavers. Basically, what he did is he stripped down the rest of the outer court of the temple. And he started selling things. And he, ex he exchanged all those things. And he cashed it out. And he sent it all up as tribute to the king of Assyria. Again, just to keep the king of Assyria off of his back. But here's the thing that is most notable to me, that stood out to me the most. When Solomon built the temple, they designed it to where the king would have a special access point, to a private entrance into the temple. It was the king's outer entrance. And the king would be able to come from the palace directly to the temple. That's the best I can gather at least. And it was it was a special design feature of the of the temple. I don't know what it looked like. I don't know how it worked. I just know that it's it's there. And here's what Ahaz did. Verse 18, I believe. Here's what it says. He removed the Sabbath pavilion which they'd built in the temple, and he removed the king's outer entrance from the house of the Lord on account of the king of Syria. He chose a policy of fear instead of faith. 
He ended up in a place he never should have been. Got exposed to things that he never should have come into contact with. He removed all the altar of repentance and, and, and the process of repentance and sacrifice and getting right with God from the equation in his life. And then the final thing is that the removal of the outer entrance to the house of the Lord. He removed his own access into the presence of God. And no longer could Ahaz slip into the presence of God like he used to be able to. No longer was Ahaz darkening the door of a church. No longer was Ahaz able to just walk in and have that private communion with God. Talking about a very serious thing where we allow fear to take us to a place where we lose out with God. When we decentralize God from our life, other things begin to change. The king's entrance was removed, and Ahaz's actions resulted in the removal of his own entry point into the presence of God, the one that he would use on the day of worship. And his choices led to the removal of his own direct access to God's presence. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. The patterns and the conduct of your everyday life is related to the spiritual condition of your household. I can look at the altar your family is worshiping at, and I can see the choice you've been making. I can see whether there's an element of fear at work instead of faith. And I'm here to preach this morning a message of hope. Faith still matters. You can still choose faith. God can make a way when there seems to be no way. And no matter how far you've gone, faith is still an option. Even though you've made the mistake of running into the arms of Assyria, even though maybe you've embraced a solution that is not of God, even though you've been living with God's altar of repentance out of place in your life, you can still take a step back and recognize. Romans chapter 8 says that you are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live according to the Spirit and you start to put to death the things that are not of God in your body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Ahaz submitted himself to Assyria, and he said, I am your servant, and I am your son. But you can still choose faith today because you are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. You can still choose faith, and you can still walk in the Spirit, and you can still be a son of God. You don't have to be a son of Assyria, but you can be the son of the Most High God today. There is still hope in the building. There is still a God who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there is still a God that when Christ crisis comes. He wants to be with you. He wants to be in your corner. He wants to fight your battle. He wants to be the answer to your solution today. But you have got to choose faith and give God the room to operate in your life. When crisis comes, as the musicians come, what's happening in your life today and the crisis that you may be experiencing is just the backdrop. It's just the backdrop to an opportunity that you have to get into the presence of God. What an opportunity Ahaz had in his generation. 
for God to be glorified with a victory that wouldn't have made sense in a natural way. It was going to be the presence of God. It was going to be the power of God that took care of these armies that were on the doorstep of Ahaz's kingdom. What an opportunity. What a backdrop for a miracle. When the crisis came, when crisis comes, it's an opportunity for us to choose faith. And in the midst of the crisis, the prophet Isaiah was saying, if you'll just stand, if you'll just choose faith, then there can be a great victory. But then he went on to make this promise. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Just a few verses later, still talking to Ahaz. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. God wants to be with you during your crisis. But if you remove the altar, if you remove repentance, if you remove your attendance and your presence from gatherings such as this, then God's presence in your life will be minimal, and your crisis very well may overcome you. But when crisis comes, you can always choose faith. Let's stand together. I'd like to offer a question for your consideration this morning. What are you going to do when crisis comes? What are you going to do when crisis comes? I would like to propose an answer. Maybe it's oversimplified. When crisis comes, choose faith. Let's lift up our hands right now because the Holy Ghost wants to minister. Whether you're in a crisis right now or there's one simmering and sitting on the horizon approaching your life, you're in the right place today. God wants to open up that third option of faith. He wants somebody to respond right now because you've been responding in fear for too long. Fear of what someone might think. Fear of what others may, how others may look at you. Fear of what might happen if you actually do have an encounter with God. But if somebody will step out of where they are and find an altar of repentance and an altar of consecration today, God will move in a way that you do so desperately need Him to. And it will become more than just survival, but it will become He'll be your Savior. He'll be with you. He wants to be with you today. These altars are open right now and I would that every saint of God would find a place of prayer this morning because you need to get God back in the center of your life. You need to get that altar back where it belongs in your life. You've been places and you've been exposed to things that you never should have come into contact with and sometimes that just happens in life. But as long as you've got an altar of repentance, as long as you've got a place where you can get right with God, you can choose faith today. You don't have to be shackled by fear. You don't have to let fear run your life. But you can choose faith today. When crisis comes, faith is the only thing that's going to be the real answer. It's going to be the only thing that takes you to the place that you really need to be. Jesus said, God has a plan for you. 
on the other side of this crisis. He wants to be with you. He wants to be Emmanuel, God with you today, because he has a future plan for you on the other side of this crisis. When crisis comes, choose faith. You don't have to.